In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Well, hello and welcome back to the Quality Matters podcast brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. I'm Kyle Chambers, and today we're just kind of diving into a bit of a uh, personal story and talks about quality with uh, Roz Lowe. We've tried getting her on the podcast before. Different problems occurred, couldn't work out, but we're thrilled to have her here today. She's really got a great background and really a lot of great real world experience when it comes to working in the manufacturing, U.S. manufacturing, a lot of the fun quirks that come with it and how to ensure good quality in the workplace and really kind of what that means. So, Roz, welcome to the uh, podcast at last. Hey, nice to see you again. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me on your quality show. I love yes. people. So yeah, thank you. So you've just recently landed with a new company. Kind of give a, tell us about where you're at and a little bit of background of how you got here. Cause you're uh, kind of got a fun background. Well, yeah, thanks. Um, I'm, I'm with a company Delta high tech. Um, it's a very interesting company. In fact, um, and, uh, my background is I grew up in this industry. You might as you might say that I'm the, uh, coal miner's daughter, but the centerless <laughs> grinder's daughter. Right? right. Um, and I actually used to sing that song to my dad when I was a kid and, you know, I changed the words around a little bit instead of coal miner's daughter. I was proud to be a centerless grinder's daughter, we had a little, <laughs> you know, little shop. And, um, uh, so, you know, I, I grew up in it and, and I was mechanically inclined daughter more than I was the daughter who was uh, going to be stuck in the office. So, uh, you know, I helped my dad out with grinding and thread rolling and, you know, making components and on the machines. And I ended up in quality yep. um, as I got a little older. And um, eventually my, my, I guess my, I'm truly better at relationship building mm -hmm. because I'm genuine. So and you don't I'm, think about that when you think about this world, it seems very cut and dry rules and procedures and, and requirements and so much about dealing with people. It is. Yeah, it really is. And I think that people miss the, uh, I think there was a time when we, you know, did, did a lot of handshaking. And mm -hmm. then there was a time when we did a lot of emailing. Yeah. And um, I think the time of picking up the telephone, you know, is mm -hmm. is like the new thing. Yeah. Uh, so if you want to grow your business, kind of the way to do it yep. uh, is a little bit of technology, of course. Uh, yep. Picking up the phone and just a good old fashioned. Hey, how you doing? This is what we do. So I'm business development director at the company I'm currently at. Yep. Um, I have worked in some fascinating industries, though. I've worked with beryllium. I uh, worked at a shop where they they just did all this beryllium. And I don't mean beryllium copper. I mean the real deal. Right. The kind yeah. that will make you get cancer and sick. So you better be careful <laughs> around it. Yeah. Actually, the beryllium copper is even that way. People yeah. don't realize it. You know, but with what we know now, you know, you just really have to take a lot of precautions. Um, yep. yep. But, but as it relates to your show... I actually ended up um, making a, a, an executive decision personally um, that I wanted to move on and work with a company that, um, and I'm not going to make this sales pitchy, I promise. Yeah. But I, 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 went, I went about in my career and I decided I'm going to interview the shop. Yeah, I know. They're going to interview me. And then, you know, <laughs> at the end of the interview, how they always go, do you have any questions for me? And, of and course, everyone's always, no, no, not really. Right. And and you don't know what to ask, but you know, yeah. you got to come up with something clever, but you kind of think to yourself <laughs> throughout this whole interview, I've kind of asked you everything I need to know. I mean, that's yeah. where I'm always out. So this time around, I said, you know what, I'm going to have a bunch of questions for him. And so I started asking, you know, what's your OTD all about? And I wanted to see the data. And Fascinating. I, yeah, Fascinating. I really changed it up. I wanted I to like know, it. How do you know that don't just tell me, uh, 98% or 99%. I want to know why. Yeah. You how are you calculating it? There's exactly. no, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. I like it. If you don't do that, you know, you're going to burn your reputation in this industry. Mm -hmm. 
And it's a mm-hmm. small industry, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, so that's something that saying, just continually blows me away is everyone knows everyone. In some way, it. we're all weirdly connected. It's not, it's not that uh, dispersed as you would think. It isn't at all. I mean, oh God, right? And if you're that person burning bridges or making bad parts and you end up at another shop and the, some buyer comes, shows up from, mm-hmm. you know, Raytheon and they remember you, trust and believe if you mess up their parts, oh, yeah. they remember you oh, yeah. and they're not going to want to play with you anymore. And that's no. how it works. So, no. you know, you got to be careful. But, um, you know, interestingly, um, at this company here, and uh, I do have the answer to... Uh, Fix in poor quality, by the way. And I learned it at this company I'm at. <laughs> and I'm not going to do this. is not a sales pitch. We're just going right. to talk shop here. No, we were talking about this a little bit uh, last week. It is really fascinating. Really fascinating what, uh, what they've done there. I know the solution. And we've all been wondering, right? We're all like, <laughs> how do we fix poor quality? How do we get parts out the door on time? Yada, right. yada, right? Well, there are a lot of things you have to do. But one of them right here is a main solution. It's quite an investment. Mm-hmm. But you know what? This is your bread and butter. This is how you make that bread and butter, how you yeah. pay your bills. So invest in your business. And this is how you do it. And it's nice to the machinists, too. You <laughs> cross-train those machinists on how to use the CMM. Yeah. Stick a CMM on your shop floor in the machining cells mm-hmm. and train them how to use it. And during production, that five-minute cycle time, the guys got a part on the machine, say five-minute cycle time or whatever yep. it is, right? Three minutes. You got that CMM programmed and throughout the entire order, they're checking parts. Yeah. That fixes your quality issues, right? Because if something goes wrong or mm-hmm. something changes, because it will, mm-hmm. especially in production. Yeah. Um, but even in small stuff, like a 25 piece well, order, you know, especially with a machinist. I mean, and I need to be careful how I say this because I might get some folks upset with me, but there's a lot of time when you're operating, you know, the CNCs or whatever it is that you, you're really just watching the machine run. Now, yes. don't get me wrong. There's still lots to watch and to check for and be concerned about. All sorts of stuff can happen, but it does give you a little extra opportunity. Let me just check the one we just finished just to make sure it's all going good. Yeah, yeah. Or they're on their Facebook on that phone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you said that one, not me. <laughs> Come on now. I've seen that I know. on the top Believe floor, me. you know. Uh, I um I I was the IT guy at a previous company and I nearly got run out of the parking lot the day that I disabled uh, YouTube and Facebook. Oh, oh my gosh, there was a mob ready to get me nearly. That was great. You know, you needed to do that. Not bad idea to do. I mean, honestly, yeah. I mean, you know, there's nothing wrong with checking parts with calipers and you know height gauges and your micrometers and, and all the, mm-hmm. the God blessed tools we have in this industry to check things. And for, for goodness sakes, we got a rocket to the moon without CMMs being around. Yeah. Right. So, you know, we use competitors, but the CMM is, is definitely um, the way to go with checking, mm-hmm. parts, especially if you're playing with complex components, which is typically the yeah. world I find myself in, yep. you know, in the industry. Right. Um, and, you know, when you're when you're working with complex components, there are certain dimensions that you're not going to be able to check mm-hmm. uh, using just traditional um, inspection tooling. Yep. Right. Yep. yep. Um, but the CMM is just perfect and it's faster. It's mm-hmm. fast. And, you know, you know, consequently, you know, everybody always talks about where the bottlenecks are in our industry. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's always final. That's where it's mm-hmm. at. It's always final inspection. Yep. And, and, you know, when you when you're checking these parts that way on the shop floor, when you don't have a bottleneck in final. No. And when you're going no. through final, you don't have a bottleneck because parts weren't good and we got to figure out why. And, you know, think about all the time you save. Oh, when I know. And good parts the first time out. Well, you know, this right? is a problem I ran into in a previous company. We had a, a similar type solution uh this shop was largely a uh weld shop we we had some machines we had some edm uh some large vtls but 90 percent of the production was welding and we had a similar type issue is our inspection bay was our bottleneck and it was backed up we're going through god only knows how much red dye just the cost of the filtration system was a mess 
And our solution actually wound up being kind of a, a two-part solution is uh, we made all of our welders get certified as ASNT level one uh, for liquid penetrant inspection and visual inspection. Nice. And if you couldn't get certified as ACNT level one, you didn't get the weld for us. It was just that simple. Yeah. And it was the same type thing. By the time stuff got to final inspection, we needed low, smaller batch sizes, unless the customer had 100% inspection criteria, which sometimes they did. But when they didn't have it, we could get away, I say get away, but way to put it, but with smaller batch sizes on the inspection, and there was less rework. There was next to no rework. The wow. rework was caught at the table. I imagine you'll see the same thing here. The rework is probably caught there at yep. the machine, and daggum if that machinist wants to be issuing rework on himself. <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> and he's also not going to be able to, you know, also, come on, we know this happens a little bit where they're hustle the person that's the floor inspection lady or the mm -hmm, guy mm -hmm. or whatever. They'll be like, yeah, it's good to sign off on it. Yeah. My son was yeah. working at a company and uh, they had this quality lady there. And, uh, you know, my son's an inspector. He grew up in the business, though. Yep. He grew up in a precision centerless grinding really shop. Cool. Really cool. Really cool. Minus two tens all day long. Yeah. And uh, so anyways, he's in the inspection department, got hired as an inspector. You know, he's like 20 mm -hmm. years old or something. Yeah. And um, he come home to me and I was friends with the people that own the shop. And my son came home to me. He's like, Mom, I got to tell you something. That lady doesn't know how to read Mike. And I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, you need to say you need to raise your hand on that. Yep. He's like, no, he's not a tattletale. So he's not going to say nothing. I said, mm -hmm. well, then you need to teach her how to do it. Mm -hmm. But what we found out was eventually. The guys on the floor were, this was an Acme Gridley shop. So the, the yeah. you know, it was open tolerance. So anyways, the guys were coming in and telling her, yep, this is what I got. Sign off on this. And the owners had no idea. And they yeah. were, check, and they kept wondering, why are we having so much, pro so many problems with, with these long runs, you know? I mean, mm -hmm. they gotten to the point where they were swapping the Gridleys out for different machines because they were thinking, well, maybe the Gridleys are old and tired and we need, we need to upgrade. And yeah, they need to upgrade anyways, but it wasn't because of those Gridleys. Yeah. It was because, yeah. So, mm -hmm. you know, eventually, mm -hmm. um, you know, it came to light that this young lady, yeah. young lady, either she'd had the job for eight years, yeah, you know, and she was also their AS9100 lady, which by the way means sometimes the two aren't the same. No, right? no, QA, QC, they're just, it's not right? the same. It is not totally, totally different. We had a recent episode talking about metrology and same type thing. They're parallel, but they are yep. not the same. <laughs> yes. It's like driving a stick shift <laughs> in an automatic. Yeah. It's a car. It's got four wheels and an engine, but yeah, but if you can't drive a stick, <laughs> don't, don't drive mine. Yep. 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 <laughs> don't learn in my car. Yep. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, well, uh, you I mean, know, I just do, I, I love, you know, if you, anyone's listened to the podcast, they've heard me talk about dimming a thousand times. Um, but one of his 14 points of management, he talks about, you know, decreasing the necessity of inspection. And he doesn't mean the in-process checking your own work inspection. He means the dedicated stage and step in the job traveler. We're sending it to the inspection department to check to make sure I did my work right. And the less you can... It, um, rely on that inspection to ensure quality, the better it's all going to go. And it, it does uh, a wonderful thing. I'm sure you've seen this is it, it truly enables that person to take pride in his work. Now he's not just waiting to see what the inspection guy kicks back, but he truly takes pride in his own work. And we seem to have lost that in so many aspects of our, our society. Well, I think that you've got to give machinists some respect. I, I, honestly, I don't think machinists get quite the respect they're owed. Um, nope. You know, and and you know the the, the attaboys that they're deserving mm -hmm. of. You got salespeople in the front that are just getting that you know atta girl mm -hmm. or that mm -hmm. attaboy, and I get them, so I know. Yeah. But really, without those machinists, mm -hmm. uh, nothing's happening. And no. without those machinists, guess what, inspectors? You guys aren't doing anything either. Yeah. You know, so. Yeah. And I feel like machinists are underpaid a little bit. You know, I, I've been noticing that a little bit. I'm looking around. I'm thinking, man, the machinists, they're not getting paid what they should. You know, mm -hmm. I, I'd like to see them, you know, get more um, like, you know, these guys here where I'm at, you know, they're they're cross trained on CMMs. That's, you know, that's something that's I mean, a that talent, really you know, and, and, yeah. they get, and they get paid for it, too. Yeah. You know, they get paid better. Mm -hmm. So when you're working on a, at a company that's, you know, willing to invest in you in that mm -hmm. way, 
uh, yeah. and train you better. I, you know, it's a pretty yeah. good day in the on Friday. No, I I yeah, totally agree. Yeah. You know, my oldest boy, he's uh, just starting high school. Okay. So um, he actually started football football practice. Oh, nice! Uh, I love it. What's um, what's he play? What's his position? He's never played. He played one season in Pee Wee, so he's just jumping in, seeing you know if he can do it and if he can hang. So we'll we'll see how. Well, it went let today. him be a safety or a linebacker. I made that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, you know, he talks about, you know, you know what he wants to do after high school and whatnot. And I've told him, I'm like, look, buddy, whether you go to college or not, you go to college, you trade, you whatever you do. It's like you daggum better well learn some trades along the way. 100%. And that's one thing I've told him. It's like, look, man, you need to learn how to weld. You need to learn, you know, all these different type things. Learn enough skills and trades that whatever you wind up doing, you have some firm foundation to stand on. And it's just a shame that there's not been the emphasis on this for, for so long. And it's it's really affected our modern workplace and, and the way we, we perceive quality. We look at quality as what happens on the spreadsheet at the end. So reliant on this final inspection, which is why I'm so excited to talk to you about this stuff today, because it's not the final inspection that determines quality. Yeah. If anything's caught at final inspection, we screwed up 10 times along the way. Yeah, right. Tell me about it. And remaking orders and reordering material and how long that takes, especially nowadays with oh, the yeah. supply chain issues we're seeing mm -hmm. on material. You know, there's a lot we need to get back to the basics on. You know? cost, but this grade school stuff is yeah. You know, the, teaching these young people a trade. I'm 100% all about that. I, you know, I know too many kids that went to call and don't get mad at me, everybody with your degree. <laughs> Oh, we, but, we talk bad about college on here plenty, so. Okay, then I won't have any haters. <laughs> but I mean, you know, I'm, I got, the other day I was at a company. <laughs> I won't name the company. <laughs> I won't name the company who sent the guy. Right. But I'm in a company and I see this young man. He's probably, I don't know, 25, young guy. And he comes in and it's a big prime he's working for. Mm -hmm. Nameless, but it's a prime. And so he comes in and, and I'm thinking, yay, a young man who, you know, chose to do this for a living. And I know yeah. the kind of prime it is that he's got to have a degree or else they just don't right. hire these guys. Right. Or, or gals. And I said, so, you know, when did you know you wanted to? He's a source inspector guy. Right. He's coming mm -hmm. to force us. And I'm like, so when did you know this is what you wanted to do for a living? Did my thing end? Can you still? Hello? Oh, yeah. Okay. Are you there? Okay. Sorry. I don't know. Some <laughs> message came up. So I go, when did you know that you wanted to do this for a living? You know, were you good at math? What, you know, what sparked it? And yeah. he goes, well, I don't know anything about machining and I'm an English major. Oh and I was just like, how in the hell did this guy get this job? As an, you know, a, like an, a source yeah. inspector, the inspector. You know, mm -hmm. you need to have mechanical sense yep. to be a good source inspector, yeah. right? And, and, you know, I was just talking with a customer the other day. They had no idea what a, a quick turn, mil, you know, those mill turn lathes, mm -hmm. right? We have these machines. They're 13 access machines. Woo! Yeah, they're amazing. We got, we've got an army of them, right? I remember when five axis was something. Right? This is 13, <laughs> right? It's a Swiss machine. Yeah. It's kind of like a Swiss screw machine, like a star or citizen or something to familiarize mm -hmm. yourself. But it's got an additional, it's got an additional turret. It's also mm -hmm. got milling. It's it becomes cool. 13 axis. The bottom line is if you don't know how that kind of equipment is gonna perform for the benefit of your cost. Mm -hmm. Right. And you're the source guy coming out and, and yeah. you see this machine and you're just like, yeah, cool. Another cool machine. But you're not really knowing, you know, what yep. it does because you're not mechanically inclined yeah. in that way. And not everybody is. No. But I think that they should at least put the put the accountants on that role. You know, <laughs> at least if you're gonna if you're gonna hold your feet to the fire on this college mm. degree thing, I know. Then for gosh sakes, but I think the English majors should go into contracts, all right? Contract review, perfect job for them. Yeah. And your mathematician guys, your accountants, you know, because there aren't enough jobs out there for these people. Yeah. <laughs> Once they get that degree. But I mean, make them your source guys, I guess, I know. you know. Um, well, I mean, like I say, I, I've got my degree. I'll be honest with you. I have no idea where my diploma is, and I've never given it to anyone. No <laughs> well, idea. Like, do you Truly work for no yourself, idea. though? That's why. I'm sorry? You're working for yourself. 
nowadays they're pushing that. Some of the best machinists that I know actually dropped out of school. Mm -hmm. And back in my father's days, a lot of times my father's a great example. My dad was dyslexic. He could not read and write. Mm -hmm. It was a misunderstood thing back in his days. Mm -hmm. And he was a hard worker, right? He's from Greenville, Alabama. So he grew up, you know, with a work ethic. And so he's work on jobs and they'd always promote him to become Mm -hmm. supervisor guy. The day they'd promote him to supervisor guy because of how Mm -hmm. hard he worked and what a good job he's doing, he quit. Because, yeah, because it would require that he had to fill papers yeah. out now. So he mm-hmm. would quit. And that's what led my father to eventually starting his own business yep. and opening his own shop and becoming very, very successful in yep. doing that. But but what my point in saying that is we, you know, a lot of guys that are really smart, talented machinists, inspectors, programmers, honestly, mm-hmm. are people that don't like college aren't no. college people you know and that I'm might be to, why yeah, the I'm, industry's impacted right now and yeah. feeling so challenged we can't find people you're not looking in the right place yes no exactly i mean it's like i learned to code in high school i didn't i mean i'm not saying college was a waste i'll just say i didn't get much out of it yeah. you, you connect the dots how you want to connect them yeah. um but uh well, you know, the uh, the highest paid welder I've ever known, best damn welder ever met in my life, hardly spoke a lick of English, no high school, no college, but dadgummit, if he did not work in the one air-conditioned spot in the shop and had four helpers. <laughs> he came in, sat down, and he was not going to stand up until it was lunchtime, and he's going to sit there and weld. You grab the next part for him. Wow. Was it MIG, TIG, spot welder guy? What kind of MIG welding was it? Um, yeah, I probably shouldn't give too many details here. Okay, never but, mind. Um, but, what don't you say? Know. Well, you're complimenting the guy. Yeah, I mean, but he that was the thing. But yeah, he didn't have a lick of formal education. He just worked his tail off and learned everything he could. Um, but you know, it's just, it's, it's a different world, but, uh, you know, kind of going back a little bit to talking about doing the uh, inspection on site. And this was the same type thing is he'd inspect all of his own parts. I mean, that gum, if anyone said that he had a crack or defect in his parts, he checked it all. He'd already done everything. I mean, he, he wouldn't do the fluorescent dye because, you know, our, uh, you know, mag particle that's got to be done elsewhere, but that gum, he's checking everything right there, but the cost of poor quality. It's not so, you know, people calculate parse cost for quality a little bit too simply. You know, they take a look. Okay, well, what was our material cost and what was our labor cost to rework it? And it's like, well, okay. But now you, you mentioned earlier about all these supply chain issues that are going on right now. Obviously, the market is bonkers. The value of things from one day to the next is kind of hard to evaluate. It's like, well, while that guy's reworking those components, could he have been doing something else that's actually earning a buck for the company instead of just yeah. costing? What's that lost opportunity cost? Yeah, I don't ever see that calculated when people do cost of poor quality. What's your lost opportunity cost because he was working on a rework? And you might yes. say, well, we don't know how to calculate that. Well, you kind of can. How many hours did he spend working on it? Do you all ever have lulls in your production? If you don't ever have lulls in production, then gum. If, if your rework was 10% of your, your time, you have 10% yeah. more revenue minus the cost. I don't think people actually... Uh, I'm a bean counter when it comes to that kind of thing. And I really be honest with you. I I've never seen shops. I, I don't see shops calculating the true cost of poor quality Mm-mm. in the way you just described. I mean, yeah. cause I, I think I come from a family business. So I came from a business where, you know, all the costs matter because it impacted mm-hmm. my family business. Right. Yep. And right. That's how it works. I get it. I wasn't just a, yeah. <laughs> So when it's your, when you have that mentality, then you really are looking at how much is this really costing us? Yeah. And, you know, I, I, I know too many shops that are literally not really thinking of it. Mm-hmm. And you're right. The, the, the cost of business, the new customer that you could have supported. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, also think about all the outside processing nowadays, mm-hmm. especially if you're working in, you know, like I'm in aerospace we do aerospace components, space components. I mean, we do a lot of different things here. We also do medical components mm-hmm. um, and it's some a commercial. Real common uh, parallel these days. Real, real common. Oh my gosh! Right. Well, you know what I love about medical is that they're not going to go out of state or out of the country, rather. You know, yeah. um, and that's pretty great. I want more of that 
you know, going on in the aerospace industry, quite frankly, you know, um, um, I don't know how we push ITAR, by the way, and we send parts to Mexico. I don't get that. Um, yeah. I'm, not, I'm lost on that. Maybe well, you won't approach it, but I mean, just, I don't get that. How are we doing that? Um, I can't say that I can answer that question, but I can tell you some of the hindrances that get in the way. So right now, we, you know, we provide at Texas Quality Insurance, we have our quality management uh, software, right? And oh. so we're in the process right now of trying to get that um, uh, NIST 800 series compliant ITAR going through the whole process there. Nice. One of the little pieces that gets in the way is some of the licensing that you have to have requires getting your, your SAM and, you know, um, uh, UAI. Yep. It is such a stupidly difficult, actually not difficult, uh, fraught with problems process. Um <laughs> It's months just to get the little ID for the next 10 steps in the road. Hey, man, and, wait till you got to get a classification code for a part you're shipping oh, to Germany or one of our ally countries, right? I waited six months for DEX yeah. to give me a classification. And by the way, it was a scary part. But, mm -hmm. you know, all you got to do is figure out engineering wise, what mm -hmm. all could it be used for? What, yeah. Here's all the things you could use it for. Yep. And, you know, if it is like for a laser system, which this was <laughs> for a tank, yep. <laughs> which this was, yeah. um, you know, then everybody like puts on the brakes, you know, that's mm -hmm. supposed to give you your classification code. Yep. But I mean, that took me nine months. I know. Nine months. I know. And I couldn't even play with that customer for nine months because honestly, they wanted to send me a sample part. And do you know what? If it's certain things, you've got to get an import license just to get that sample part. Yep. And so I, it was a big education for me. But I, and you know what? I could have just done it and just done it. But I'm a geek, and I want you to want follow to do it right. to the letter. Yep. But I had a system customer. that's is ridiculous. It's ridiculous. No, like, no. I had a customer a couple of years ago. They did uh, develop some of the radar technology that's used in a lot of, uh, you know, semi-autonomous autonomous yeah. vehicles, which now is almost every new vehicle sold. has got some of this type of equipment in it. It annoys the crap out of my car right now. Cruise control is <laughs> useless. The radar is going to slow me down way before I'd slow down otherwise. Maybe that says a little bit too much about wow. how we drive in Texas, but, you know, <laughs> cruise control is useless to me now. Um, but they made some of this uh, radar technology, and, and they had the exact same issue. And so what they just decided to do is they just set up a temporary shop overseas for a few months wow. to study the part over there instead of going through the hell to get it over here. Can you believe that? <laughs> that was cheaper and easier to send folks to live overseas for a few months to do all the study, the testing, you know, everything they needed on the component rather than send it back here to get tested. Because they could do that in three months versus There's the exact thing you're talking that. about. And then so. we're being told that they want us to, you know, they want us to, by the way, the overseas markets mm -hmm. we can really do a lot of, I mean, <laughs> I hate to put it this way. You might want to edit this out, <laughs> but I told a friend of mine the other day, you know, there was a time when you could send, we, we would send commercial parts to, to Mexico because it was mm -hmm. a cheaper way to yep. do it. Right. We were doing these um, uh, actually motorcycle spokes for uh, Harley my dad's mm -hmm. shop, you know, oh, and, cool. and eventually, you know, and we were used usually on the ouch end of things like that, mm -hmm. but we couldn't, we couldn't debate it, but they, the, our job that we were making these spokes and nipples for the Harley uh, Indian motorcycle. Very and cool. eventually they ended up, you know, going to China, but they came back because the quality was atrocious yeah. and they couldn't get the nipples to match the spokes. And eventually the win was they sent it to Mexico and that was a cheaper way to go. Right. Yep. So, so I get it. And the other day I found out there are a lot of material grades that are like titanium, as an example, and beryllium in uh, the Netherlands, uh, that they're banning. You can't you can't machine these materials anymore in, in these areas, which, OK, there it is. But guess what? They still have to they still have programs that are going to you know use these components and these materials. Yeah. Grades. So the United States has kind of become Europe's Mexico. So that's the part you might want to edit out <laughs> because we're really cost effective here. Right. And um, we know what the heck we're doing when it comes to machining. We, yeah. I mean, 
come on, yeah. America was built on the backbone of of uh, this kind of industry, right? Well, and this seems to be a recurring theme on the uh, the podcast these days. Can't say it's it's by an uh, intent, but definitely a recurring theme is how much we really need to get back to the roots of American manufacturing. Right. I mean, I, I know it's almost cliche to hear, but I mean, it's just, it keeps kind of coming up in our conversations. I'm Maybe here. it needs to, because apparently our leadership is not hearing it, you know, or they're know. Uh, about what their granddaddies started long, long ago. Yeah, I, I mean, know. You know, really our industry, our, our America is great, not only because of its wonderful people, mm-hmm. right? But it's great because of the industries that yep. we uh, established here. Yep. One of them is steel. Yeah. You know? And yeah. one of the pains we are now facing, and I hope we don't face this pain stronger, but is, you know, the lack of steel, you know, we're not mm-hmm. making, we're not doing that here. No. Uh, and, you know, I mean, I'm not going to be. A, well, and it's not just steel. Political, you can darn near anything. We're just not doing it. It's wrong. We I know. But stop to that. I've got but, another. You know, the uh, uh, were hit, were hit, uh, putting on people like, like you just think about our oil thing, right? You uh-huh. know. American oil is actually the cleanest uh, fossil fuel that you can get. It really, really is. I have heard this. It is. Yes. So why the hell are we doing this? Stuff I know. With, uh, Venezuela and Russia and trying to get our oil elsewhere. I don't get it. You know, we, we've um, made the point on here before about, well, you never really hear about uh, Chinese and, and Russian oil spills. Is it because they don't do it? No. no they don't talk about exactly. it. Exactly. For God's exactly. sake. Exactly. Right. It's not you're it's not the, they don't share that information no. with the people, you but, know, and it's not about oil spills. We have the technology where we know what we're doing here. Mm-hmm. You know, certainly we've done trial and error. So we now know what we're doing. <laughs> there for sure. I mean, you know, yeah. things happen. I, I am a believer in nuclear energy. I agree um, as well. OK. Yep. So I yep, think that's totally the way agree. to go. I don't think it's wise to build a nuclear energy plant on a in a state where they got fault lines all over the place, like, you know, where I'm at. So that doesn't make sense to me. Everybody's hailing my governor because he's uh, recently uh, gone ahead and reopened Diablo power plant, the nuclear facility. Diablo, name is like bumming me out. I'm like, all right. So disclaimer for our listeners, (laughs) we've got a foreigner on the show today. I told somebody my state is getting so bad. I'm going to change my LinkedIn profile just to say United States. <laughs> it's embarrassing. It's terrible. Families too. My little daughter moved. Not little daughter. She's 32. Um, she moved uh, to uh, Knoxville, Tennessee. Mm-hmm. God bless Knoxville, Tennessee. I love N- Tennessee, <laughs> Kentucky too, and yeah. Texas. Yes, but these are a couple of good ones. You know, Huntsville, Alabama. You guys mm-hmm. are doing it right. Yep, um, for sure. Uh, and go Florida, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, but, uh, you know, when people find out I'm out, out here, I don't even want to see the name. Look how embarrassing I am. I used right. to have a lot of pride, you know, like we have the Sunshine State, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. where we got the surf and the mountains with snow. Right. We got it all, and now we got nothing. Yeah. <laughs> it's terrible. It's pretty bad here. But no, there's there's just – it it gets so uh, – I don't know. I guess I, I get to see both sides of this. So we work with <clears throat> everything from the mostly small business, but everyone from folks are just struggling, barely getting by, trying to help them put some of these processes in place. Whereas we look at other groups where like they are just absolute shining example of what could and should be done. And we're going to be trying to get some of these folks on the, the podcast as well. But so much of our American economy. And again, I know it's cliche to say, but folks really got to let this sink in, really relies on small business. 100%. I mean, we, we think about Absolutely. Amazon and all these other big companies, but like they provide the jobs they create and the livelihood they create is so minuscule. Like I, I probably need to do this. This would be fun to, to do and you know, dig into like aerospace and steel manufacturing, mm-hmm. how much that's really small businesses. But we talked here a while back about the oil and gas world. More than 95% of the folks working in oil and gas extraction work for a business with less than 50 employees. Wow. So you, you think about, you know, everyone likes to talk bad about Exxon and Chevron and all these yeah. other companies. But yeah. like, they don't actually do a whole lot. All of the work is done by the average Joe that work that lives yeah. as your neighbor. Right. 
Yeah, you know, uh, actually, I do know a little. I'm, I'm, I, I'm actually public policy chair for uh, an organization, AIAA. So I'm, mm-hmm. I, I'm, I'm looking in the political stuff, right? Right. Um, and um, I just got this seat. So now I'm, I'm public policy chair. Oh, boy. Yeah, very cool. So we'll see what that is. But, um, you know, 17% of taxpaying dollars in the state of California are manufacturing sector. Yeah. And remember, with that said, remember, we're the state that's practically scaring all the small businesses away with a boogeyman. <laughs> man. You know, think about I it. Know. We had, um, you know, Haas was born here, mm-hmm. right? So was Fidal was born here in the state of California. And we're scaring, where's, where'd Haas go? Texas, mm-hmm. I think, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're, we're, our office is now, it's about an hour, hour and a half from Austin. So we've got lots of uh, the California uh, yeah. refugees headed this way. You know how much money it is to move a shop like that? A, a, oh. a facility, like, and Haas, by the way, those are really good paying jobs. Mm-hmm. Those machinists that work mm-hmm. at Haas, those mm-hmm. guys, the man, I'll tell you what, those people were some of the highest paid in the industry because oh, yeah. Gene Haas is a good man. And he actually came from, you know, a little shop and in, in, inventing something and, and yeah. made it happen. And he, and he gets it yep. from the common man's position. Right. Yep. So, so that means Ventura County where they were stationed, like over almost 1500 jobs mm-hmm. alone that I know about just on the shop floor, just on the yeah. shop floor that were yeah. high paying. Go ahead and buy a house with I know. that you make in California, you know, in California, <laughs> That's something. Texas, you all can buy, you know, California and leaves California. You retire with what yeah. you sold the house for there and yep. buy a rental property. You know well, what I mean? You know, it's funny. We, we just moved out to the country. And so we've got 16 acres, but we're, we're eight miles down a dirt road. Right. Nice. But on our little dirt road alone, there's at least two other families that have moved here from California. Oh, gee, I'm sorry. Because <laughs> they're just leaving the, <laughs> to get out of the, the mess and buy some land. But um, but no, a lot of what I think has allowed this is, you know, some of these same ideas about quality, I think, translate into the same type of culture around, you know, how you run the local and the state governments and whatnot is depending yeah. on the individual to do good work. And that, that means building an entirely different culture around things, which sounds like is is kind of where you've landed is how do we get the individual to take accountability true ownership for their work and and take pride in the work they do when you get someone that's skilled that can take pride in the work they do go to work do a good job and come home fulfilled yeah that eliminates so many problems we spend all this time in spreadsheets and pivot charts and data analysis yeah. Not that there's not a place for it. There's a place. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you know, at some point in time, you got to go walk your floor. Novel idea. Know the names <laughs> of your your guys on the floor, right? I've yep. seen two business owners that just want to look at that data sheet. Yeah. And by the way, that's not telling you everything that's going on on your shop floor. No. How many machines do you know who've checked a bad part in a bucket? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. That part didn't get counted on that on that chart. <laughs> Come on now. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I did uh, some work for a company last year and they, they were trying to get certified to multiple standards. And I remember talking to the guy that's the heading up the process and he's like, Kyle, like, what do I need to do to get things turned around? And I said it's simple. Spend fifty percent of your day out on the floor. That's yes. it. Spend fifty percent of every day. But your pro, you know, also the standards. I used to be a real naysayer about AS ninety one hundred. Honestly, mm-hmm. like I, because I, I grew up in this business. You know, I right. got a thirty two year old, so it tells you something about where I'm at, <laughs> wise, right? So, you know, growing up in the industry, I mean, think about it. We we got a rocket to the moon mm-hmm. without AS ninety one hundred on regular old Bridgeport Mills and starting uh, <laughs> plays, making parts. That's that, yeah. that happened, everybody. So, you know, growing up with a comparator, a set of calipers and micrometers, right? Mm-hmm. And some Joe blocks yeah. <laughs> calibrated right. uh, and a granite table. Yeah. <laughs> but growing up that way, you know, I, I, I saw this whole AS9100 thing moving into our industry and I just saw, oh, my God, that's so much to impose on the little shop owner, right? The, mm-hmm. the small business, right? Because mm-hmm. it's so much money mm-hmm. to get that certification and it, and to me, I started looking at it like, wow, that's pretty 
crooked. You know, they're mm -hmm. they're trying to really make jobs for people. We already know how to make good parts and keep our right. shop floors clean. And that's kind of how I saw it. Right. Like it's a, a way to tell me how to clean my room. And, and eventually, though, I did come to know that it is it is a good tool. The mm -hmm. AS9100, uh, the, the things that you must adhere to. Mm -hmm. um, it really does make sense. And in the long run, it, it's worth it. You got to you know, find, I, you can find different people to charge you different amounts of money to implement it. So no. that's where you need to be careful. Yeah. You know, and also, you know, you got to be careful about making sure that the person that you pick who's going to implement this certification into your shop is legitimate. No kidding. There's some people out there that are scamming people out there on this business. Do you I know could have a whole about? long fun conversation on that topic, but yeah, you, know, you should I, do a conversation on that topic. I People see both sides of your argument and, and I live in this world. Okay. So we don't work with the uh, AS9100. I'll say yet it is in the, the works to get there, um, yeah. but we don't have the properly credentialed folks. So, we, you know, it's, it's a, it's, it's a process to get there, but I see both sides of the argument is it absolutely can be a racket great way to make a ton of money. The fact is you take a look at the ISO 9001 because I was on the committee yeah. and I, I finally just had to bow out because I, I couldn't stand some of the stuff going on and it was hard to keep up with a whole set of reasons. But um, these standards are developed by consultants like me for the benefit of consultants like me sometimes. And okay. so yes, oh, no, I agree with that. Yeah, no, I hear you there. But at the same time, you do need some minimum, somewhat universal standard with which folks can get graded against so that your English majors have something to, to grade you against. <laughs> yeah, that's it. That's it. Right. Yeah, right. Exactly. Right. They got a map, you know, a map to follow. Yeah. You know. There's a lot wrong with it. I will have to I, I will admit that I do see some flaws uh, in it. Um I also know, I also, you know, how they have the auditor comes out there, comes out and he audits you, you know, how you doing with this ACE 9100 thing? Are you still doing good? And when I know of shops whose OTD is like at 40% and their quality yeah. ratings are at 60 and they're still passing those guys, that's when I know that English major must have been the auditor. <laughs> well, we have a, a term for that. We call them certificate mills that's where the problems are. And then the people who are kicking butt of this game, who are, who really are, you know, you got 50 and now the certification tells you there's 50 to choose from when truly there's like five to choose from out yeah. of the 50, yep. you know, who are doing it. Mm -hmm. And, and no, those are kind of some of the caveats that I, I find uh, are not helping the industry. You know, mm -hmm. if, if it's going to be something that you charge people money for, Mm -hmm. It better pay off. Well, you, know. <clears throat> you might enjoy checking out the guy from our last week's episode, uh, Chris Paris, Chris Paris with uh, um, Oxbridge uh, Resources. Um, he, he's kind of the uh, unofficial industry watchdog. So oh, wow. might be something you'd be interested in checking out. But um, no, it is. I mean, it's all oh, well, the industry needs a watchdog because there's too many. <laughs> it's ridiculous. It's not, mm -hmm. I don't like, and I'm like, I'm a, like I said, I'm a geek a little bit. So yeah. I, I don't, I, I, I'm not a cop, but I, I just don't like seeing the rules be broken for some, you know, just cause they mm -hmm. took the auditor golfing, you know, really? Cause then that, what know. that does is it tarnishes it uh, something that should be pristine, especially right. In, in regards oh, yeah. to quality and, oh yeah. And, well, I mean, people time. rely on these certifications to evaluate their risk. Yeah. Bids. And I think, yeah, it, it's a whole other fun, uh, fun rabbit trail to go down. But let's kind of finish with this. So where you're at now. And first, I just love your idea about truly, you know, interviewing the shops you're going to to make certain that it's someone that you want to put your reputation yeah. and your job, you know, to be associated with. Um, but what do you see that these folks did really build that culture to where their team would accept having to go through so much additional training, so much cost on equipment, but to be able to see the result? Like, what is it that's different about these guys that so many other folks maybe have a hard time wrapping their heads around or folks that are listening going, Kyle, that's stupid expensive. Just get the guy to check it at the end. Quit talking about all this mess. Like, yeah. what's different about their mindset in a good way? Well yeah, anybody sitting there thinking, get the guy to check it at the end. That's stupid, guys. I <laughs> anyway. 
trust and believe. And that is, but I mean, if you're just running out, you know, easy, you know, inserts or something, you know, with a thread, you know, and like a 16 finish all day long, you don't right. get at the end, everybody. You know what I mean? Yep. But uh, if you're running complex components, uh, uh, such as, you know, the, the sort of niche market that I f- always find myself in, then <laughs> um, it's a higher dollar value on those yeah. kinds of things, right? So if you want to play the game, let's play, you know, cool. in the high dollar uh, market. Um, so so with that said, um, you got to have the, the only way to do it. Now, how, how did... How did they come about? Why did the machinists receive that information? Why were they willing to uh, learn how to do mm-hmm. this thing, et cetera? Um, you know, it's really all back to relationships and people. Mm-hmm. They have a guy here who is the president of a company who's not the owner's son or, you know, <laughs> in law or anything like right. that. The guy who works here um, actually uh, started out uh, 20 years ago in Deeper. Mm-hmm. He's now the president Very of cool. this huge company that sits on four acres Very with cool. four separate buildings from fabrication department, fully loaded with anything. I tell everybody this is like the Willy Wonka's chocolate factory for machines. <laughs> got like every any machine your brain could ever want, could ever need or want. Yeah, we have a department that has that. You Very know, cool. so the guy started out in uh deeper and he cool. just busted his tail showed up every day show, you know was there for did the right thing did the right thing right and and, and young just, people listen you're, well, you're in college you're, he listen. wasn't he wasn't the college guy he just like i'm saying man think about it started out in deeper that's like you know although i will say deeper is becoming a department when you work in complex components D- the D Burr guy is not just the guy picking parts out of the tumbler. The D Burr guy <laughs> is an artist. Yeah. He's an artist, you know, yep. just like honing, mm-hmm. honing. There's kind of, you got to have a feel to honing. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's an artist, you know, touch. And, um, and then some, but he didn't start that, out high up on that lap, but I'm talking, I'm talking tumbler. Yeah. This guy okay. started out in the tumbler. <laughs> so he's on the bottom rung there. Big time. Yeah. And he literally worked his way up from that to the, to machining, to the inspection department, to just work worked his way up, and um, had a great attitude along the way. Yep. And so here's how it paid off for the company. So the guy who was the manufacturing manager guy, I don't know who he was, I never met him, but whoever it was, you know, he retired, right? Mm-hmm. And um, so the owner was asking around his departments and saying, God, what do I do? You know, I got to find somebody. And the VP says, you already have somebody. And mind you, he's <laughs> vice president. And he goes, you know, Juan Carlos, that's your guy. He knows yeah. everything that's going on on this shop floor. And long story short, they promote the guy to president, right? Fantastic. I went on a shop facilities tour with this man mm-hmm. not too long ago, right? And I love I love giving the facilities tour because oh, I'm yeah. Female who can yep. talk machines. So, I, of course, you know, I feel like the little red rooster out there, like, I know machining, and here we go. <laughs> right. So, this guy, we go on the shop floor, and I'm learning the shop here, my first tour, bringing a customer, a new customer. We go on the shop floor, and man, I'll tell you what, this guy, we're going, I, it's the most impressive shop tour I've ever been on. And Very he's cool. walking us through that shop floor, and it was like he was still the machinist. Every cool. cell that he stopped in, he knew everything that was going on with those parts, right? And it's a big company. We have 120,000 square feet of building that we have an army of machines in, right? So just think about that many departments and that much equipment and that much space and, and, and four different buildings on four acres. Think about that, right? Yeah. And this guy's walking through and it wasn't like staged, because yeah. the just the genuine enthusiasm we and interest. Through, well, the buyer actually stopped, and I'm thinking, oh crap, if this is staged, this is gonna suck. <laughs> a talker, you know. And so we stopped by a machine and the buyer's like, Hey, can you tell me some can you tell me about these parts? Because randomly, they mm-hmm. look a lot like a part that we're working on right now. Oh yeah, here we go. Boom. And he goes right into it. He can he can talk complexity on these parts. 
they were detailed, you know, mm-hmm. unbelievable. So anyways, long story short, when you have somebody like that, who is the leader of people who mm-hmm. are starting from here and they see what, how, you know, what hard work and dedication have done for you, they know the same thing can happen for them. Yeah. And they will put in the effort and they do. And that is what's happening. And I'm seeing that. And our tenor here is like people that have been here for 20 years and, you know, and, and our 35 year olds started here when they were uh, 19. That's so awesome. 20. Yeah. And, so awesome. and the company's coming alongside them and, and, and getting them education and education. Right there, the company is coming alongside these individuals who want it, and um, you know, bringing them up higher in their skill sets by yeah. teaching them CMM or sending them yep. to GED school yep. or you know, sending them uh, to engineering courses mm-hmm. where they get to learn certain things. Mm-hmm. And the company is coming alongside the people, and yep. in return, it's a beautiful handshake, right? Because then the people are coming alongside the company. You yeah. know, it's something I haven't seen in a really long time. Well, you know, that, that marriage, that is probably a, uh, a great spot to, uh, to stop here. Okay. Um, but no, I mean, it is again, this, none of this should be new or surprising to anyone, but unfortunately these type of stories don't get told enough these days. We all want that shortcut, that secret to success. How do we get there overnight? How do we do it in five years and one year? And while those things do happen for the majority of us, it's just a long trudge, do the right thing step by step and and get there. And it's just a story that needs to be told a lot more often. It is what our nation is built on. And it, it's it's the age old model for success. So I really appreciate you uh, you coming on here to chat today. We definitely need to uh, to get you back on here in the future. Sounds good. Thanks a lot. Awesome. Great Take being care. here. All right. Bye bye. Bye. All right. Well, that has it, folks. This is just kind of a uh, really fun episode. Usually we've got a certain target or direction we want to go, but I I just like sharing sometimes good stories about good people doing good work. And I think this is just a great, great example of that. So if you like what we're doing here at the Quality Matters podcast, you want to support us, make certain you like, subscribe, share this with as many folks as you can who value quality, American jobs, manufacturing, and our way of life. Definitely thank you for listening. Um, We will be announcing pretty regularly soon. uh, We're putting together what uh, we're calling the uh, Energy Continuity Conference. A lot more details coming about that next week, but this is a first of its kind uh, conference where we're going to be looking at business continuity, contingency plans, risk identification specifically for the energy industry. So stay tuned for more details and you'll have a great day.